1: It's the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon off, getting a little vacation. We've got Pac-12 Media Day coming up tomorrow. But right now, let's talk a little basketball. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for owning any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Of course, longtime Jazz assistant coach. He's our coach. Coach show. Uh, Gordon Chiesa with us here on The Big Show. What's going on, Coach? Jake, I'm
2: doing well. Thank you.
1: Good, good. Good to hear it. Uh, we've got a lot to get to uh, with you today, but let's start with the finals because uh, uh, eager to get your reaction to the Bucks rattling off uh, four straight. We talked to you uh, throughout the series, but I uh, want to get your thoughts on the Bucks finishing the job.
2: They play great as a unit led by Giannis, but Chris Milton was absolutely sensational, and so was the steadiness of Drew Holiday. And all the other support players, Jake, uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, Pat Cunningham, um, P.J. Tucker, all those guys really performed well, And I'm sorry, I should say Pat Connington, and that those guys really did a good job. It was a total team effort. And also, was that Giannis showed his brilliance, both in the open floor, but also getting to the basket and the half court. So it was absolutely a wonderful team victory. And I'm glad for the Milwaukee Bucks. Their franchise, last time was 1971, and so they waited a long time. And the most recent part of that, Jake, was that the last two years they got knocked out way too early. So they showed their resolve.
1: I know we asked you about this, I think we asked you about it last week, but man, is Giannis ever likable. I mean, his, his post-game interviews, I don't know if you saw the video of him uh, ordering 50 nuggets at Chick-fil-A, where he said, I want exactly 50, and then and his interactions with his fan, with the fans, and I, I mean, Coach, it just seems like this guy's too good to be true. I mean, uh, face of the NBA, the NBA should hope so.
2: Culture, you know, from being uh, from uh, Nigeria slash Greece, uh, Greece when he was growing up is that they have, they have a different mindset and they're really great gracious about their individual accomplishments and that he embraced his teammates and the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin and that he's a, the poster child right now about not leaving. Because things don't go well for you as far as being knocked out early in the playoffs and they try to form a super team. What he did, he stayed there and he uplifted his own game, but also accelerated his teammates their progress. And that's why they're world champions right now. So let's hope that other elite players try to do the same thing and stay in their city and bring along with them the rest of the group as far as what they have going for them.
1: Coach, this is an obvious opinion, of course, but, uh, you know, I've, I've for a long time held that if Giannis really turned into a, um, you know, a good three point shooter, not a great three point shooter, but a good three point shooter where you're above that, you know, say, 35 percent mark, he would absolutely be unstoppable. So, uh, first of all, I guess you agree with that opinion. Second, how e- how hard is it to develop range as you get older in the NBA?
2: Well, I agree with that. As far as he developed his three-point shot consistently, and your, your point is right on. Thirty, thirty-five to thirty-six percent would be would be add to his game tremendously. So now he has the long ball. He's got the dribble-drive game to the basket, and then he has somewhat old-school post-up where he accelerates with his long steps. Now it's not hard. It's something that you just have to focus on, and all the time now. But you can't. What happens is that. A lot of times, players, Jake, shoot really well in practice, both from the three-point line and also from the foul line. But when they get to the, into a game situation, because the intensity of the moment, they dramatically uh, shoot lower. So the question is for Giannis and uh, some of his teammates: Is that are they willing to let him take threes, knowing that it, in the beginning of the of the uh, the situation, as far as him developing and game experience, are they willing to um, miss a lot to go forward? Um, again, months, years later—that's the question right now.
1: I think Paul Millsap is the ultimate example of that. I mean, there are others, but but Paul was a was a rebounder and and uh, inside presence, tough guy. When he got into the league, uh, you know, he he is a very effective three point shooter, and it really extended his career. I think
2: alluding to right now with Millsap with the Jazz back in 2006. He was an old school back-to-basket post player and tried to use footwork and go over the top of you. As the years went on with his body, and that's what happened a lot of times there's so many hits on your upper body and torso that you really try to uh, elongate your game and also last longer in the league by developing more range. And that's what Paul Millsap did, and a lot of guys do that. Also Brooke Lopez. It's interesting, Jake, with the Giannis's teammate, Brooke Lopez when he played for the uh, Brooklyn Nets, he was effective. He was in a, a back-to-the-basket, a jump-hook, step-through player as the years went on. He still has that some of the time, but now he's a, a, a stretch five, and uh, ironically, by him being a stretch five, that opens up the driving alley for Giannis to go uh, f- a free-fall into the lane.
1: So the draft is uh, just days away, Coach, uh, and you were a, you know, not only assistant coach, but you were a, a personnel guy for a, for a long, long time as well. Take us through what's going on uh, with your average NBA personnel guy right now this close to draft.
2: Right now, everybody, they have their list on the board. So it's the most interesting thing where they list, uh, in, their, their, in their opinion, where, if they were picking one through 60, what order would they have? And it's based on a lot of it's based on their own needs and what the team that's drafting will be their needs, and so it's it's a visual. And most times after um, after they interview the players as far as. Uh, in the this, in this city where, they're, they're, where the team is, is that they'll adjust the board up or down somewhat. But the board really is, uh, in the beginning, that top 12 players that everyone uh, looks at right now, it really doesn't change. But what changes, though, when you get uh, right outside the uh, late lottery, meaning 13 and 14, that's when it changes down to about 35. Jake, the most coveted right now pick would be 31. That's when you might get somebody that really should have been picked at number 21, but there's no guaranteed money as far as that the, um, the, the cost certainty of what it happens. So everyone right now is still watching film. They're still trying to gather intel on players, and they're, they're debating very, very strongly about what order should the guys be in. Now, the management, as far as the the general manager and team president, they're going to be the final decision-maker. So they listen to all the scouts and the personnel people, but they will be the final decision-maker. Now, be ready to trade during the draft. A lot of times is that the day before the draft and during the draft, trades are made. And so that you've got to be able to pivot quickly. Hey, um, the Jazz might like a guy at number 30. But suddenly, a team not picking Jake in the first round likes someone also at 30, and so they might offer the Jazz uh, two second-round future picks or a player that the Jazz might covet, plus picks, for, to uh, to let them pick at 30. So you've got to be really flexible, even though you let certain players. Often those trades happen during the um, during the draft. Now, last point about that. Sometimes, Jake, when players are picked by a certain team and the fans say, wait a second, that team has a already elite point guard, Where well, would they draft them? They probably pick them for another team and they'll announce that trade about an hour later in the second round.
1: Coach Chiesa is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, I coach, I, so Gary Anderson uh, used to be a Utah State head football coach, and he, he had a saying, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers on it, but he said, if you, uh, you're recruiting, if you get three out of five, you're doing a great, uh, good job. If you get four out of five, you're doing a great job. If you get two out of five, you're going to be fired. Uh, with that in mind, what, what your, your average good general manager in the NBA, how often are they hitting on draft picks?
2: Okay, what you want to do is get the majority of the picks correct, the majority. And a simple viewpoint would be this. If you're picking, we'll say, in the first round, this first round, here's the first part of that first round, is that you'll know if a player was picked correctly as far as slotted, is that he has, minus unbelievable injury, he has a five- to seven-year career in the NBA. If you're picking in the lottery, is that it goes from seven to ten. Again, minus injury. If you're picking in the second round, you know that the, 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 the pick that you had, if, he, if he, one, he makes the team, and the second thing, he has a two- to seven-year career. So that 's the barometer right now now it could fluctuate based on team needs I get it but generally speaking so for example a guy picked in the lottery only last three uh, three years His, the original team waived him another team took him up and now after three years he's playing in Europe that means that the whole consensus of the NBA thinks that guy couldn't play but it 's on the original team that drafted him I just described uh, uh, Anthony Bennett when he was picked back in 2012 he was the first 2013 pardon me he was the first picker to after three years, he's been out. Of, he's out of the league already.
1: Yeah. Uh, Coach Gorgias is with us here on 97.5 and twelve-eighty. The zone uh, switching over to the Olympics. Coach, how good's Rudy feeling right about now after beating Team USA?
2: Oh, he's feeling great right now. That was a, a that was really a great team win by the Frenchmen over the USA. And just think about it; it's hard to believe, but the, the Americans couldn't score. Jake, they were passing up shots during that game. For the listeners right now, they didn't see the game. The score is 83-76. And Evan Fournier, who's ironically a free agent from the Boston Celtics, who's a Frenchman, he goes for 28 points. But it's when he got them. uh, The USA team was kept on switching on every play, and he was driving the switch or shooting over the top, and Rudy was going to the boards. Rudy Gobert had had a wonderful game. 14 points, nine boards, and was a factor inside as far as... Making, uh, making the uh, USA as far as feeling uncomfortable as far as dual penetration. Jake, just quickly, people don't realize that the Olympic rules are different as far as basketball than the NBA. Here's just some quick examples. In the NBA, it's four quarters of 12 minutes. In FIBA basketball, meaning Olympics, it's four 10-minute quarters. So the game is eight minutes shorter. In the NBA, the court is 94 feet by 50. In FIBA, it's 91 feet uh, 10 by 49 and two-thirds. The three-point distance in the NBA, the arc three, is 23-9, and the short corner three is 22. In FIBA, like in college basketball, the, the three-point shot is 22 feet 1, one and three-quarter inches. And the last one is important because yesterday Kevin Durant was in foul trouble the whole game. In the NBA, you foul out in six fouls. In FIBA basketball, it's only five fouls. And the last point of a close game when you're in a corner being trapped is that in the NBA, the head coach or any player can call timeout. In FIBA basketball, only the coach or an assistant can call timeout, not, not a player on the court. So the game is different, and the French uh, team adjusted quickly. And USA right now is still in that awful growth pattern.
1: Can Popovich fix it?
2: Yeah, very much. The problem is that he can fix it, sure. Because the US has a knockout talent, but they're they're playing hesitant. Now they've got it. The next game is against going to be Iran. They called the group play right now, so they play. uh, So they, they play Iran on Wednesday, and they play on Saturday against the Czech Republic. And. The two winners of the group will advance to the quarterfinals in what they call the knockout round. and Jake, there's nothing better in uh, international basketball, Jake than a knockout round where eight countries are playing each other, each other, and that four them will be knocked out, and the, the other four teams will go to the medal round. So Jake just picture in the, the nationalism of these countries. Eight teams left and four events. And four go home. It's a spectacular day of basketball.
1: You an Olympic sky coach? You've been glued to the other events. You you uh, take it
2: all? Oh, in? very much. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the swimming, by the gymnasts, by uh, the incredible. The answer is absolutely yes. I'm a I really admire the Olympics through the dedication that these these athletes have, you know, and what they go through as far as the mental focus to be able to train at an elite level. And a lot of times you have to – you could be the, the world's greatest uh, in your sport – but not get out of the qualification to make the Olympics. That's how incredible it is. Or someone there's a, um, uh, surprises, but even though they're ultra talented and they make the Olympic. They make the Olympic as far as team, and now they're trying to uh, win a gold medal. There's nothing like it. I can remember so many Olympics where there's so many great stories of people overcoming adversity.
1: I'll tell you what, I might actually get to watch it because uh, I, I put it up, uh, the gymnastics, in front of my four-year-old last night, and she was dialed in to that and the swimming. So I might actually get to watch it.
2: And then, Jay, track and field is next week. And that's, you know, as you see the incredible runners, the sprinters, you know, the herdless, the javelin throwers, you know, the, the relays, how precision it is. The track and field is absolutely huge. And these, these uh, people have trained incredible to be able to uh, that millimeter of a second determines whether you qualify for the next heat or whether you win the medal
1: all right coach i understand you have a list for us today as usual
2: yeah and jake this list is very very it's a segue to the olympics this is the 1992 united states men olympic roster which they call apropos the dream team I can remember back in 1991 when they were selecting the team, and we had the privilege, as far as in jazz basketball, have two of our members be, be a part of the original team. Just quickly, is that this is the first team in Olympic history of all NBA players were able to participate. Up at that point, it was only college players, while the rest of the world had professional players playing against it. And the second part about that, in 2010, this team was elected as a unit into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. This dream team set the record, it's never broken so far, where the average margin of victory in the Olympics was 44 points. And in 1992, the Olympics that year was in Barcelona, Spain, And the players and coaches, Jake, it was like being like a rock star. It was like being like the Beatles on tour. It was the first time that it is the greatest team ever collection of people on one situation. Here they are. At point guard, Magic Johnson and John Stockton. At shooting guard, Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler. At small forward, Larry Bird, Scotty Pippen, and Chris Mullen. At power forward... Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, and because it was the first year of all uh, NBA players, the Olympic Committee decided to have one college player as far as their 12th man, and that became Kristen Leitner from Duke, who was the college player of the year, and the other guy they considered strongly was a guy named Shaquille O'Neal. At center, Patrick Ewing and David Robinson. The head coach was Chuck Daly, and out of the 12 players I mentioned, 11 were first-time ballots into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So this was the greatest team ever. And the only player, Jake, to start all six games was Michael Jordan. They rotated as far as starting, but Chuck Daly started Jordan all six games. And the co-captains were Magic Johnson and Larry Bird.
1: Seems appropriate, right?
2: Yeah, appropriate. So it was an an amazing shake. It's the greatest ever team assembled in the history of basketball. Now, Kobe Bryant said in in 2012 that his team that played in London, with LeBron James and that crew, they could take out the dream team. That that, that would have been a great uh, debate.
1: Well, I don't know. Austin's ward ball team is pretty good, or they were a couple of years ago.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: Yes. Well, Coach, hey, uh, thank you for coming on. As always, it's always fun to talk to you, and we'll uh, catch up with you next week.
2: Thanks, Jake. Stay well. Peace out.
1: Thanks, Coach. That's, that's our friend, uh, uh, Coach Gordon Chiesa, uh, basketball analyst right here on the uh, Zone Sports Network. Big thanks to him for jumping on. want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, working from home or with a f- uh, hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner. Syringa Networks, call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have more for you coming up uh, right around the corner. Don't forget we've got a market update uh, coming up at uh, three fifty. Uh, we've got our guy Howard Beck who's going to join the show at 4 o'clock. Greg Rubell will join us at 5 uh, to talk a, a little bit of BYU football. I asked Coach uh, how he thought uh, Rudy Gobert was feeling after uh, beating Team USA. Knowing Rudy as we do and uh, how he likes to carry a, a chip on his shoulder, my guess is that Rudy was feeling very good after that victory. What do you you think, Austin? How how was Rudy feeling after France took down Team USA? Uh, In a word, magnifique. Yeah, I bet. I bet he had a good time. I mean, I don't think they can go anywhere. He probably went back to his dorm room and just sat there, but I bet he was having a good time doing it. Probably hopped on the Xbox and talked to some stuff that's what i would do yeah yeah so anyway surprised but not surprised that france beat the team usa by the way what'd you make of
3: damien lillard's uh, comment how players play differently for their country than their teams
1: 100 uh, percent can visibly see what he's talking about can you <laughs> can't you yes joe ingles looks like he's 22 years old all of a sudden playing out of his mind, yes. you know, like making plays that he's, you put it correctly, not humanly capable of making. That's how badly he wants to play. And then you see Team USA go out there, and it's like, okay, I see. I guess we have to be here for our shoe contracts. No, and they are absolutely can't win, don't try. <laughs> watch for, okay, if they do not win gold, watch for the storyline. We should count the headlines that come out afterwards about them not wanting to be there. Because it'll be the excuse, right? It'll be like, oh, they didn't want to be there anyway. Long NBA season Uh, ahead of that. Didn't want to, you know. Sources close to the team say that they didn't want to be there. Uh, You know, nobody likes losing. All right. Uh, We want to remind you, Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day one thirty. Hanson, Scotty G will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we catch down at the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only here on the Zone Sports Network. More next on The Big Show 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.
0: Every day on The Big Show. Gordon and Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is. Is what's going on on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports
1: Network. Oh. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975, and 1280 the zone. Happy Monday to everybody out there. It is time for what's going on, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. It is brought to you today by our friends at Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save 1000 dollars Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at DavisVisionMD.com or call today 801-253-3080. That's 801 one two five three thirty eighty. Uh, Gordon off. Uh, we will. Uh, when, when are we gonna Austin? When are we gonna see Gordon again next next year?
3: I think the middle of October is what I've been – What no, I wasn't told. I've just learned.
1: Halfway through football season, yeah. uh, Gordon will be back. No, well, when the big games come around, he'll be back. He'll be, he'll be back here. No, Gordon will be back uh, next week. We've got Pac-12 Media Day coming up all day tomorrow. In fact, after the show tonight, I'm on a plane to Los Angeles. Your favorite place? no. It's not my favorite place. I do like Pac-12 Media Day like it is fun, but it is very hectic. Like the whole experience for me cuz I don't I don't choose to make a vacation out of it, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm here for the show today. I'm flying out after the show. I'm I'm getting in an Uber going right to the airport as soon as Pac-12 Media Day is over and flying back. Do you have your mask ready? Oh, it's funny you say that. I've got uh, at least a dozen yeah. ready to go. Because I, I was doing the math on it, and I was like, you know, Pac-12, two players, you know, coach, and maybe some other people. We're looking at like 35, 36, 37 interviews, depending on how smoothly it goes, <laughs> all while masked. It, they're going to be just soaked. So I figure I, I'm just going to bring a ton of them, and we're just going to roll those babies over. It'll look like uh, my shirt when I mow the lawn. Yeah, yeah, it's
3: just that be, ring.
1: I mean, I I don't like to think that there's a lot of spittle when I talk, but you know, probably spittle happens, Jake. Right. So, well, at least I don't have to worry about my breath all day with the with the players and coaches. Have some, uh, have a Slim Jim and some nachos, and then <laughs> a Slim Jim and some nachos. Usually, I have you know just packs of Mentos, and I'm just rifling those things down because I don't want Chip Kelly' comment to go my breath. Uh, but not a problem for tomorrow, no, sir. All right, what's going on? Let's let's move on. Uh, let's get to let's get to Hanson Scotty uh, with Sam Merrill, of course. Scotty G, the voice of the Aggies. Sam Merrill, former Aggie, hit some of the biggest shots in Aggie history. Had a couple of unbelievable Mountain West Conference tournament runs. That's Sam freaking Merrill. Yeah. Not to mention is is a great interview, and uh, now he's an NBA champion. As he's a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, he gets a ring. A lot of people forget. Did you know, uh, Austin, that former jazzman Bobby Hansen was on some of those Bulls teams that got a ring? I had no idea. Yeah, no? Yeah, Bobby Hansen has a ring.
3: Like the early 90s Bulls? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Good for him. Uh, but Sam, uh, you know, he's got a skill that uh, the NBA is looking for, and I think he's going to have a nice NBA career. But uh, currently with the Bucks, joined Hansen Scotty. Let's hear that now.
4: 97 twelve eighty, the zone and the zone sports network. Time to check in with former Utah State Aggie, and now NBA final champion, Sam Merrill. Uh, that has a nice ring to it, does it not?
5: <laughs> it does. I'm not sure if the pun was intended there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a crazy couple days, uh, but now it's good to have a little bit of time off and get ready for summer league coming up.
4: So let's talk about this playoff process. And you're down 0-2 a couple of times to the Nets and then obviously to the Suns and you guys rallied to win those series. What does it say about this team? I mean, what's it like in that locker room when you guys were able to overcome so much adversity throughout these playoffs?
5: Yeah, I thought it was just a great, great, great uh, display of toughness, grit, all that stuff by by obviously the guys that are playing, but I think the team as a whole uh, did a really good job of not not getting too high, not getting too low. Coach Bud always talked about that, and I remember when we were down 0-2 to Brooklyn, this was coming off a Miami sweep where, you know, we felt like we were playing as good a basketball as we ever had. And uh, then we're down 0-2 to Miami or to Brooklyn and felt like we were in some trouble, but uh, the way the guys responded, um, go win two games at home and then you're down three, two to Brooklyn and you have to win a game seven in Brooklyn. And then lose game one at home to Atlanta. And then, Giannis gets hurt, so we had to play the last two games without him in Atlanta and then down to to Phoenix. Like, a lot of adversity. And, uh, again, us as a group, I think it was pretty resilient. And the guys that were out there uh, did a great job of just focusing on what was important, focusing on uh, playing good defense, generating good shots, and we were able to overcome that.
4: Giannis goes down with that injury, and I'm thinking not only, and this is obviously from the outside looking in, I'm thinking not only is he not back for the playoffs, he may not be back all of next year. Uh, when you first saw that, uh and in that locker room, did you it was the initial thought that it was obviously far more serious than it ended up being? And how surprised were you when he came back and played as well as he did?
5: Yeah, definitely. We all thought that no one, you know, was no one knew for sure anything, whether it was an ACL or whatnot, but definitely felt after that game that we were going to be without him for for sure at the end of the series and to be honest I think a lot of us thought probably I think the thought was the rest of the playoffs um, and then I think two days later he worked out and we heard through the grapevine that he had a really good workout and that <clears throat> there was at least a chance that he could come back for the finals if he made it so I think that that uh, really lifted everybody's spirits and uh, gave gave the guys even more motivation to go finish that series against Atlanta.
4: We all see what a freak athlete he is and what he can do on the court, but what's the leadership aspect that he brings to the table for that team?
5: He's he's a great, great dude. Uh, not not only him, but Chris and Drew as well, yeah. our three best players are, you know, it's first team you know, I've been on, obviously, and, um, you know, I'm hoping to have quite a few more years in this league, and I, I'll be surprised if I... Throughout my time, meet three stars as humble and egoless as those three. Um, they're just just good guys who care about the right things, and they just they just want to work hard. They want to win. They're family men. Um, they care about all the right things, and I think it showed. I think that was a big big reason why we had so much success is when when your stars are about the right things, then that makes it easier for everyone else to follow them.
4: After what you uh, dealt with all of last year with in terms of losing the NCAA tournament and then having to wait forever for the draft and sit through the bubble and all that stuff and then finally go through a COVID year, I mean, how rewarding was it for you to, because we haven't had a chance to chat since the draft, how rewarding was it for you personally just to get back out on the court and play some basketball after that long layoff?
5: Oh, it was a lot of fun. And <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot, There, to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, I played in quite a few games and then had a little fit in the G league. Uh, but if you count games where I played, you know, more than 15 minutes, including the G league, I think it was 10 maybe. (laughs) So, uh, I'm really, really excited for summer league coming up. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a great experience. Um, it's the first time in, in my life where I haven't played, uh, any or real minutes. Um, and it was a process for me to try to adjust to that, but I think I've done a really good job of, uh, you know, being a good teammate. I think that's that's pretty easy for me, but of working hard and getting better and so like I'm in a really good spot. And uh, like I said, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks to be able to go play
4: some games. What's the message like when, again, you make that adjustment and you're not out on the court as much as you'd like or what you've been in the past – What's the message like from the coaching staff when they're still working on development and still saying, Hey, look, you know, your time's coming and just hang in there. Is that, is that kind of the vibe you get from the staff on stuff like that?
5: Certainly we, uh, we, we do, the coaching staff and the strength staff and all that, they do a great job with us and, um, trying to keep us ready. And while at the same time working on developing, us. had a couple of teammates come in middle of the season that had been with other organizations and, they were like, I mean, this is awesome. We get here, even if we're not playing, we get to work hard and these guys are focused on our development and trying to get us better. So I've heard good things. I feel like I did, again, feel like I did a really good job. I felt like I played well in the chances I got and um, did a lot of good stuff behind the scenes. So hopefully that translates to some more personal success going forward.
4: That first game uh, that you play in an NBA game. And I know, you know, it wasn't uh, I think five minutes out on the court, but I believe you opened up, you played at Boston. When you walk out on that legendary court in that city uh, with all that history, you know, fresh out of Bountiful High School in Utah State, what's that moment like for you personally?
5: (laughs) I was actually pretty nervous there. I bet. Um, It was funny. I I got out there and I I don't – I might have touched the ball one time, Um, but I just remember coming in at halftime after playing, like you said, I think five minutes and being like, well, I – like." Now I've gotten my my feet wet a little bit. Now I'm I'm ready to go back out there and actually do something. Cause I was just trying to not make a mistake, uh, and then I didn't even play that the rest of the game. But uh, <laughs> it was a crazy moment. You know, every opportunity to step out on that court, um, especially with again not this being the first time, not playing every opportunity that I got to step out on that court uh, was was a great opportunity for me and something I was really grateful for and. um something I I won't take for granted.
4: Later in the season, you had 15 against Boston. There was a 13 point game against Charlotte. Is there an individual moment or a play or a shot or anything that you, you take away from as kind of the highlight for you personally throughout the season?
5: Um, I think the fans would probably, or fans of mine would probably say that dunk that I had, (laughs) because people didn't think I can't, I could dunk. Um, but, I, I got to say the, the the three that I hit against Miami that set the yeah. NBA record for threes in a game for a team, I had no idea that was the case, but um, that's, I, I think that's something I'll look back on. as a pretty cool moment for me and for the team.
4: Uh, you have a little bit of downtime before uh, summer league starts. As you mentioned, uh, you get to decompress for a bit, but I know that you had a chance to chat with Ryan Odom. I know he and John Hartwell went out to a game. Um what, uh, you probably haven't had a chance to have much interaction at all, but uh, what were your initial thoughts there?
5: Uh, he's he's awesome. He's a great great guy. I've talked on the phone with him a few times. He's constantly texting me. That um, came off in a bad way. That was that was meant to be in a good way. He's constantly yeah. texting me, and we're we're texting back and forth. He's just a really 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 nice guy. Really down to earth. Um, and clearly, he knows what he's doing as a coach. Um, I've heard really good things about the staff from the players, um, and I'm, I'm back here for a few days in Utah, so I'm hoping to go up and see them practice. But I think with the guys they brought in and um, the staff that they have, I think they'll they'll be just fine going forward.
4: I don't know. Uh, a lot of times in normal years, they have the locker room cleanout where you meet with the coach and the GM, and they tell you, you know, what you want to work on, and and kind of give you. a kind of the lay of the land for the off season. Uh, did you have a chance? To, I know the jazz didn't do that this year, but did you have a chance to do that at all? Was there a message on what you wanted to work on and what you want to try to achieve going into uh, next season?
5: Uh, we didn't have an official one. They sent us a message the other day that we're going to have those in a couple of weeks. They wanted to let everyone celebrate and do their thing. Um, but, you know, I've been working all year and have been in contact with the staff and the front office and, my agents and whatnot. And uh, I think the number one thing for me going into the season was um, getting stronger, trying to get a little more athletic, um, get a little quicker, all that stuff, uh, and then focus on, you know, what I'm going to do, the, the types of shots that I would get um, out on the court. Cause it's obviously I would be in a different situation. And yeah, you know, I feel like I've done a really good job of that. I've heard, heard all good things going forward. Um, I'm athletically as good as I've ever been. So excited to go out, like I, like I said, a couple of times to go out there and, and play and try and prove that a little bit and then uh, hopefully get back for camp and try and earn some minutes for next year.
4: You know, the transition to the NBA is always going to be difficult. I mean, you, you knew that it wasn't going to be an easy thing, but did anything surprise you as far as the difficultness of the NBA or, or were your eyes pretty wide open on everything that was going to be, uh, you know, going to be a challenge?
5: The biggest thing for me just was how strong everybody is. <laughs> yeah. um, I knew everyone was going to be fast and can jump high and all that, but I've, I've had to deal with that my whole life. So picking up on the speed of it was, wasn't was too big of an issue. But, like, I mean, trying to get through a screen, these guys set crazy good screens. And anytime there's a loose ball, like, you've got to really go get it in this league or, or if you want to go up and get a rebound. You got to really go get it when you're handling the ball. You got to be really careful with it. So everybody's just so strong. Everyone has really long arms, big, strong hands. So, um, again, something that I've worked on is getting a lot stronger, and I feel like I've done that.
4: Well, Sam, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. I know you've got a crazy schedule, and I know Vegas is calling here in the next uh, couple of weeks as well. So thanks for carving out a few moments for us and looking forward to catching up with you down the line. Congratulations. Man, It's cool. That bringing a ring your first year in the league. That's, that's incredible, man. Can't uh, congratulate you enough on that.
1: Definitely. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. There is Sam freaking Merrill, according to our guy, Scott Gerard, and now NBA freaking champion. Uh, Sam Merrill with those guys. Let's, uh, let's move on to DJ and PK. Uh, Of course, conference expansion is the biggest story in sports today. Just huge Texas and Oklahoma uh, telling the uh, big 12 they're opting out of their grant of rights agreement, which is four years away, by the way, four years. Can you imagine how awkward it is if Texas and Oklahoma play the next four years in the big 12, which isn't going to happen, by the way, we can get into that more in a, uh, in a different segment, but it, it, I, it was awkward when Utah was still with the Mountain West for a year. Can you imagine four years of that? Like, oh, jeez. Anyway, they're going to pay whatever they got to pay, and they're going to bounce. That's going to happen. want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner. Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. More next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I
0: fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust.
1: It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Uh, I, I feel like the uh, the financial news is really in Gordon's wheelhouse. I feel like with the Not Sports Report, I can outperform the huge But I don't know. When it comes to markets, this is Gordon's thing, right? Yeah,
3: this is where he lives and dies every day.
1: Yeah, right. We know what kind of mood we're going to get out of Gordon based on you know the fortune that was made or lost. He can't fake emotions in the three fifty segment. No, no, he uh, he cannot. All right, uh, are you ready, Austin? Yep. The Dow Jones was up eighty-two, almost eighty-three points. Oh, baby, baby. I almost said I missed hearing Gordon, but <laughs> then I realized what we were hearing. Uh, the S&P 500, uh, Austin, up ten and a half points.
0: Yeah, boing.
1: Hmm. The, the drops are creeping me out. I got to admit it.
3: Hey, I work with
1: what I got. NASDAQ is up 3.72 points.
3: He, he, we, it was enjoyable for me.
1: I so wish, if I could bring back any lost audio, you know, from my years in radio, producing, hosting, all that stuff, if I could bring back one thing, it might be Gordon, Gordon asking his own girl if he was creeping her out. <laughs>
3: and remind us her response was in the affirmative? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. He still doesn't buy it. He says, oh, she was joking.
1: He, she was playing along. She was not. It's not a chance. I don't think so. She was being honest. I Yeah. Because... Because Gordon was chatting with her. Now there's her and, levels of creep out. Right, I, I don't think uh, Gordon was being. Uh, in fact, I, I could hear their conversation. So Gordon was not being inappropriate in any way, shape, or form. I mean, he, he was talking about school or something like that, and we're like, you know, Gordon, you don't talk anybody's ear off. You're talking to some You're girls staying here off, after like, hours, and he's know. like, no, we, I wasn't creeping her out. We were just having a conversation. Like, let's ask her, and that that was the the worst thing that he could have said. Because he's like, well, hey, let's bring her over here. Let's bring her over here and let's ask her, hey there, was, was uh, I creeping you out or were we just having a conversation? He's like, uh, kind of creepy. <laughs> we don't have this anywhere? No, it's gone. Oh. It was on this old piece of equipment that we used to call the shortcut. I don't know if you oh, ever yeah, I experienced with the shortcut in your career, yep, Austin, but I it was did. kind of a- When we
3: merged, I had to learn it real quick.
1: It's kind of a clunky piece of equipment, honestly. Yeah, it it wasn't the most efficient way to to do the job. Thus, we don't use it anymore. But when that old clunky piece of equipment went into the the trash heap that it uh, it deserved, uh, we lost it. Ah, oh, we kind of pulled it before we threw I, it. Yeah. I don't know if there was any way to back up what was on there. And no, it was yeah, it, yeah. it was filled with a whole lot of nothing too. Might I add, like a whole lot of just random crap. But that was on there.
3: Well, uh, so he got what he wished for. He got the truth. He, but it wasn't well, what he
1: was expecting. Y- he did get kind of what he asked, was asking for. Like, we were not. Like, she'll, ca- we, she'll tell we, you yeah, the truth. we were not. Was I creeping you out? We did not put her on the spot. <laughs> he put her on the spot. Wow, great Gordon stories. Well, Gordon will uh, no doubt find out that we told that story, and it'll be, like, number one on the agenda when he gets back. Like, I heard from somebody that you you told the Zone Girl story, and she was just playing. She's just kidding. Howard Beck's going to join the show next. A
3: guy who knows all about Gordon being creepy.
1: Is that? I, I don't know if that's true. Maybe
3: if we feel like it will ask Howard, since Gordon's not here, do you find Gordon creepy? Uh,
1: does Gordon creep you out? <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to do that. Howard would think we were weird if we asked that question. Oh yeah, yeah, probably.
3: Although Gordon is not here to t- give Howard his weekly kiss on the cheek of how great he is.
1: True, that is, that is a, that is a good point. You know, Gordon has has creeped out very few guests on the show. I'm not I'm not saying the number is zero, but that's not usually his norm. It's not su- a lot. I'd be surprised if if. Uh, Howard felt that way. All right, uh, Howard's coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.